Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. He kōna e purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Radio has always been a form of entertainment that just takes you somewhere else. And when long-time Radio Dunedin presenter Lindsay Rackley was a teenager, it provided the ultimate escape. And that's when I really started. I'd go to bed at night, put the headphones on, and my mother would find me asleep with the headphones on. I'd listen to um, YA and ZB, their life with Dexter. That's right, Janie. He wants to borrow my lawnmower to see if he likes it before he buys a new one himself. Whereas for Gordon Payne, the president of... The Tiger Radio Association... His love of radio came from listening to Radio Dunedin because it wasn't stuffy and slow like other stations. It had a young, sort of hip announcer by the name of Neil Collins running it. He ran a country and western show. But he knew stuff about the artists. He would, but more than just here is a song you're going to listen to. There was more interesting things on it than there, was, than there were in commercial radio at the time. Kia ora, I'm Sonia Yee, and you're listening to Eyewitness, a podcast looking at events and moments in history witnessed by the people who were there. And we'll come back to Lindsay and Gordon in a bit. So, as you might have guessed, radio is the focus of this episode, and in particular, Radio Dunedin, which is in its 99th year. It's considered one of the oldest stations in the world, it's five weeks older than the BBC, and it's continued to run as an independent station since its inception in October 1922. But there's a reason the station began in Dunedin. It started with the first radio transmission in New Zealand, which came out of an Otago University lab. The man responsible was Professor Robert Jack, head of the physics department, who'd been tinkering away and experimenting with the help of some of his students. Well, he was the patron of the Radio Association. Together they constructed a small transmitter with parts imported from Britain to create the first successful transmission 100 years ago on the 17th of November 1921. And that broadcast travelled as far as Auckland. This is a reconstruction of the broadcast. The gramophone record just played was Hello, My Dearie. I shall now play the record... That was an excerpt from NZBC's Spectrum programme in 1972. Professor Robert Jack was a legend. He worked with Toots Mitchell, telephonist, did Morse code at the post office. He and others formed the Otago Radio Association, and he was the secretary right from day one until the day he died back in, in 1970. Here's Toots Mitchell, who worked with Professor Jack in an interview from Radio Dunedin's Sound Archives. We were mm. amateur spark coil individuals mm. in 1907. Then as the time went on, the doctor of the university got in, in touch with me and uh, having credentials for I could go to the university, I went there as a student in my spare time. I was in the telegraph department. The doctor went over to England after the war for about three or four months, and he came back with a, a valve. 
Mm. We tried to make them here in Dunedin, but we weren't very successful. And that valve gave us the way to get sound over the air. Almost a year after that first transmission, Radio Dunedin, or 4XD as it was called, went live. Gordon Payne again. Yes, October 1922 was the first transmission from what became the Otago Radio Association. And today Radio Dunedin is the longest running station in New Zealand. And the station has been continuously uh, transmitting within the scope of licences ever since that time. Well, almost. There's one event that happens that put a brief halt to that, but we'll get to that later in the story. The station even continued to broadcast through World War II, but there were parameters and one restriction that's slightly surprising. They weren't allowed to broadcast the weather forecasts. And that's because... In case the enemy heard it and decided it was a good day to bomb Dunedin. Radio in the good old days was a form of entertainment that brought everyone together. 4XD had its heyday before television. So people would come home from work, we'd had the Second World War had ended and it still had spread its tentacles into the 50s and then there was the waterfront dispute, early 50s, the black budget, late 50s, early 60s. We were a pretty prosperous sort of country, but we didn't have television. We only had you know, radio and radio that was quite restricted. Having done your day's work, you'd get home and you'd sit in front of the radio like people sit in front of the television. That's, people were entertained, and they wanted to be entertained. So you would have such a variety. We had, um, at 4XD, Aunt Josie's children program ran for many, many years. I'm thinking 50-odd. Very incredibly popular, the Sunshine Kids. Children would, uh, would come into the studio and sing, cite poetry, or, you know, the, like the competition society type of thing. It was... Um, Wonderful, and it's very true what they say. If you have children involved, you get all the adults that come with them. Gordon's involvement with 4XD also goes back a long time. When he joined, he was only 17. When I was a, a teenager, I was uh, an announcer, and my speech and drama teacher knew one of the people on the committee and suggested I'd be a good person to do some announcing for them. It was almost like a rite of passage. Anyone going through the station had to start on a particular programme, which also allowed them to become familiar with the equipment. Sunday mornings were tied up totally with um, religious broadcasts, and we all had to take turns to be there to monitor that, get the tapes on. There's a reason the station played the religious programme. It was a kind of exchange that benefited everyone. It came from the States, and instead of being paid to play it, we were getting records. So it solved a whole lot of problems with exchange rates and uh, import-export of money. Back in the, the 60s, of course, the music industry in New Zealand was strictly controlled, and so a lot of our famous bands and singers were not doing their own material. They were doing something that was a hit overseas, and the record companies wouldn't allow the hit overseas to come in because the New Zealand singers were doing it. We had the originals at, at 4XD. Gordon liked to play around with the crates of records, and there were a lot of them. And I used to take the opportunity of going through the library and playing a lot of the records into the studio on cue, things that I'd never heard before, like Al Cooper and the Paul Butterfield Blues Band. And, uh, it was a wonderful time. No sooner had Gordon started at 4XD and his favourite presenter, Neil, got an opportunity elsewhere. Gordon quickly filled in his shoes on the country slot and even had the chance to meet one of his idols because when Charlie Pride came to town and 
had tickets and backstage passes and all sorts of things and got to meet him and do an interview, so it was fun. Did that feel like a big deal at the time? Yeah, it did. Yeah, we had Cole Wilson and the Tumbleweeds come from Dunedin and they sold 50,000 units in 1949. That's a, that's a lot of records to sell for a, a small-town country and western band and they're very good. Now, there's also a really unique aspect of Radio Dunedin that hasn't changed since it began, which ultimately placed it in a position where none of the other stations saw it as a threat. And that bodes well later down the track. It's not a community station. It is solely an association, a committee, if you like, running a radio station, but like WKRP in Cincinnati, run on radio lines as opposed to anybody can come in and have a go. We audition people, we make sure that they are a fit with what we think the uh, the station is before they go on air. Who back then would you say your mentors were? Well, in 4HD days, of course, Lindsay Rackley. And then when I went into professional radio and I worked with Mike Baker, Jim Moira, true radio legends. And so you learned a lot from them just by osmosis more than anything else, listening. Gordon moved into a professional capacity as a commercial broadcaster later in life, but he learnt the foundation of that career at Radio Dunedin. Uh, from time to time you'd be upbraided for pronouncing something that wasn't in the King's English or the Queen's English, if you know what I mean. But as you get older, you know, things relaxed a bit more. It became more of an entertainer, a friend. And that's what Radio Dunedin and uh, 4XD was to a lot of people. It was a friend. Broadcast at nights and it was before television. So people would come home, have after work, sit down, turn on the radio, listen to the news, listen to some light entertainment, I suppose you'd call it. And then the station would close down and everybody would go to bed and repeat the cycle. Now, anyone who works in radio will tell you, and myself included, that in the early stages of your career, mistakes can happen especially when you go live to air. For Gordon, there's one moment that sticks in his mind that taught him a big lesson. I was looking for a record so I could use the facilities, and I came across the record I was looking for. It was done by the Bee Gees. It's quite long, about eight or nine minutes long. Perfect. So he pops to the bathroom, and everything's fine. Until that one moment that everyone in radio fears. dead air. Which scares you when you're in the middle of the night doing a radio show and there's no noise. I run back to the studio and discovered that the single version was only two and a half minutes long oh, after no. seven or eight. Oh dear. So were you reprimanded for that? Did anybody no, catch it? No, people um, it happens to a lot of people they can get caught out. I only ever got reprimanded if we did something that was not respecting community standards. If you made a comment about somebody that rings up and they're half drunk and they say, just, you can't say, get out of it, you loser, or anything. You've just got to be nice and polite and, until you can cut them off. We've always had high standards, and right through Radio Dunedin, we encourage people to have fun, have a good time, but don't overstep the mark. Having fun is what's kept Lindsay Rackley at Radio Dunedin since the early 60s. In fact, he never left. So... Where did his involvement with the station begin? First job was uh, I worked at an electrical warehouse. Old Toots would come in. Toots being the guy who helped Dr Robert Jack with that first ever radio transmission. And get a few batteries and bits and pieces to keep the place going. I said to Toots one day, I wouldn't mind coming up and having a look. So I went up there and one night in April 1961 and I've been there ever since. These days, 
Lindsay oversees a lot of the running of Radio Dunedin, including managing the volunteers. He also assists with the technical issues when they arise. But back when he started, he also tried to get a foothold at what became Radio New Zealand. I had a couple of auditions and I, I didn't pass them. Couldn't pronounce some of the words. Classical type of stuff in it. When I think back in it, I should have gone in just as a producer or programme department instead of worrying about being an announcer. It was a tough industry. He's seen a lot over his 60 years at the station, including the arrival of the box, which immediately became the elephant in the room that everyone's eyes were glued to. Once the television came in, the numbers started to dwindle away. I think television started in Dunedin in 1963, but towards the end of the 60s, it was all history, you know. I mean, the television in those days, I don't think it was on during the daytime, it was only on at nights. And there was only, what, one channel or two channels. And you know how I mentioned earlier about the one time the station went off air? Lindsay remembers it well. August of 1985. It all came down to a clash of wills and a passion for radio, just not for Radio Dunedin. He was a schoolboy, he went to Bayfield High School, and our frequency was 13.05 a.m. ZM in Christchurch was 13, this was before they went FM, was 13.23. And what we would do, we'd have put our transmitter on at 5 o'clock, even though we didn't go on the air till 6. And once the transmitter went on, it blocked him out of listening to the station in Christchurch. We did an OB at the winter show, and he threw a letter in threatening to burn our place down. But it was hard to say whether it was serious or just an empty threat. But we didn't know who he was, and uh, we gave that to the police. And I think it was August the 4th or 5th, it was his birthday, and he had enough of this, so he um, took a... Um, vinegar bottle and went up and got some petrol from a service station just up on Anderson's Bay and he went back home and about half past ten he hopped out his bedroom window. Taking his exam papers with him with his name on them. We had a wooden shed up there which had had uh, receivers in it so he went up there found out where we broadcast, smashed the window, it was just a wooden building threw some papers in then he heard a train coming down the other side of the harbour and that really Stirred him on. He had another go and up she went. The wooden shed was quickly engulfed in flames. Except the station didn't find out until the next day. I got this phone call from uh, the post office because we had a line up there, a telephone line for the signal to go back to the studio. And of course it was broken and it put an alert up and they went up to have a look. They told him there'd been a fire. So, naturally, Lindsay asked... How bad is it? He said, well, there's nothing left. And there was nothing left. Fortunately, the station was only off air for a week. And given that they weren't really competing with other stations, another one, the NZBC, that later became Radio New Zealand, helped them out. And they lent us a transmitter in a caravan and got it up and running. Once that was going, we then... Uh, commissioned a builder. We had insurance for it, and he built a, a new transmission building, which is still there today. But we had to put a fence around it. <laughs> oh, so that nobody could do it again. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if the fence is still around it or not. I haven't been up there for a number of years now. 
While Radio Dunedin is still run by volunteers and today sits under the umbrella of commercial radio and media works, becoming commercial initially caused disruption. Members didn't like the idea of it being commercial and it was a lot better actually after Radio Otago bought us because they bought, put in a separate manager and I was guaranteed of a job. But the transition also offered some benefits. New technology was one of them. When we Radio Otago bought us, we had some lovely studios up in Tennyson Street with an old Radio New Zealand desk which was bloody hard to work, excuse the expression. <laughs> We're probably was, still using the same ones today. Um, no, oh, not quite. It was okay. built by technicians. But we went down there to computers. There were turntables there, but but some of them did complain about it being a bit boring because they didn't have much to do. Why do you think that the stations lasted for so long? And are you surprised by it reaching its, what, like a 100-year milestone? That's pretty massive. I'm not surprised it's lasted that long. Gordon Payne again. The dedication, once you get hooked into it, you just start putting it ahead of things because it's fun, it's enjoyable, and, and you're doing something that's a little bit different as a hobby. And it is a hobby for us, all of us. But we're all dedicated. Yeah, it's because it's local, I think. We've always wished we could be around for the um, 100th, and that's just about 15 months away. I'm just been lucky I've been able to be around when I think back about 60 years ago when I started and still love it. My wife often says, you're married to the radio, you know. But I told her I was in the radio long before I met her. <laughs> well, not, not so many years before that. That was Radio Dunedin presenter Lindsay Rackley and you also heard Gordon Payne. If you'd like to listen to more of the series, head to rmz.co.nz forward slash eyewitness or download it via Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. Catch you next time. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.